This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. <laughs> well done, Brian and Stacy. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo. And we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. So this podcast is us just sort of doing an overview of both season fives. And there's a lot to compare between these two seasons, I think. Yeah. There really was. Maybe this season more than ever, a lot of overlap. In themes and just straight up connections. Yeah. But we'll get into it. What's new with you, Brian? Well, uh, I'm doing my new job, which is 1 to 11. So we're doing the podcast first thing in the morning? What? Yeah, which is 11 a.m., to be fair. <laughs> oh, it's crack of dawn. This is maybe the earliest we've ever done it, which is funny considering last week we did it as late as we've ever done, probably. Yeah. Time's still weird for us, guys. We don't know. Yeah. We're having coffee. Our voices probably sound morning-y. Yeah, I did have a friend who died. Very funny. The friend was a very good comedian. It was Joyce. It's not funny. <laughs> wow, we took that joke in two different directions. Yeah, we did. And that's um, what you guys come here for, I think. We watched Prey. That might be something you are interested in. If you like Buffy, it's got a strong female protagonist doing some serious physical fighting against a monster. Yeah, it's a Predator prequel. Which, I had only seen Predator like one time, but I knew it enough that it made sense. I liked it. We watched Black Phone, a horror movie with Ethan Hawke. I liked it quite a bit. You didn't like it as much as I did, but... No, I didn't think it was bad, but it didn't really do anything for me. I wouldn't say it was life-changing, but I, I enjoyed what they presented. But I give a strong recommendation for Prey. I was a huge fan of the first Predator movie, and I've seen all the sequels, even though I never really liked any of the sequels. But this prequel is very good. We also watched half of that Jamie Foxx vampire movie. Maybe not even half. We're gonna finish it. Yeah, we didn't stop because we got bored. We stopped because it was like four in the morning. Four we a.m. <laughs> I think David Franco showed up, but I don't really know what he said. <laughs> Time's weird, guys. Time's Time weird. Time is weird. But yeah, it was a fun vampire movie. The, the action sequences in that I thought were, were fun. Anyway, enough about us. Let's start talking about. Let's talk about you. The show. This is us. Wow, we took that joke two different directions. Very as well. different directions, yeah. I'm excited to see how our top five moments and stuff line up. Yeah, if you don't know how this goes, we do this at the end of every season. We're going to count down our top five favorite moments from both shows, as well as maybe a least favorite moment or two. And we'll say our favorite episode and we'll say how we voted for the season and how the shows are matching up overall. We'll also talk about some themes and stuff throughout the seasons. Yeah. And our um, our voting may surprise you. Hmm. It might not. I just wanted to be dramatic. I assume everyone that listens to the podcast like has a little tally that they keep. Someone did ask me at some point where we stood. <laughs> I was like, I, we do reveal it at the end of the season, but I guess I could tell you. Are you going to hold on to that or show us now? The results? Oh, I'm going to tell you at the end. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to keep people here through the boring stuff. That's yeah. what they come for. They come for the, the results. They don't come for the boring. <laughs> I don't know what they come for. I don't know what makes people come. That's very clear. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> try a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's not... What? Oh, time. Okay. Before we jump into it, we do have one five-star review I would love to shout out. Thank you so much to That Rainy Day. 
Thank you. Okay, should we dive into Buffy? Let's do it. Stacey, tell us what happened in season five of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All of it? Yeah, just real quick. So Buffy and her friends meet her sister for the first time that they've all known all along. It's confusing. We find out that her sister is not her sister. She's a ball of energy that is a key that the season's big bad needs to return to their demon dimension. And she was turned into Buffy's sister by some monks who implanted false memories into anyone that's ever come into contact with this person or would have because they haven't. Um, Buffy's still dealing with Riley for like half the season, but like she's super checked out and she finds out her mom has cancer. Riley's kind of there for her with that, but between that and the slang, she doesn't have time for Riley. So Riley starts turning to the dark side. He gets sucked off by vampires. Like he's sneaking off in the middle of the night and doing creepy things with vampire girls. I mean, to be clear, they're sucking his blood. Yes. Yes. We don't know what else they do, but I, I think it's only that. Buffy's sort of questioning what it means to be a slayer all season. Like, she she wants to know about the history of slayers and, like, why other ones died. And through a conversation with Spike, she learns that slayers kind of just are done at some point. Like, they get kind of checked out and, like, almost want to die and kind of let their guard down, I think is the impression we get from Spike. Spike's in love with Buffy. That's revealed this season. He's pursuing her super hard. He makes a sex robot to use when she rejects his advances. Willow's getting stronger with magic. She's getting closer with Tara. They eventually have kind of a falling out, and then Tara falls all the way out when Glory, the big bad, sucks her brain. Glory is a god from another dimension who's sent to Earth as punishment from her friends and is trapped in the body of a human who she shares a body with and can come out sometimes. Unclear how long that's been going on or where they've been living this whole time. Has she been in Sunnydale this whole time, just popping out season five? Don't know. To be fair, I just want to clarify because it just struck me as so weird. Her friends didn't send her to the (laughs) Well, it was like her co-gods. They were co-workers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which makes more sense. I would do my co-workers before my friends. (laughs) You would do your coworkers before you do your friends. <laughs> yes. I mean, come on, man. I don't I think said, you I should go doom. to work today. <laughs> ben works at the hospital where Buffy and Joyce are hanging out a lot because Joyce has cancer. Um, there's a real goofy episode about a different sex bot. And at the end of that one, Buffy walks in on her mother dead. And there's uh, she's her mom's dead. That's that's a big a big thing that kind of impacts everybody the rest of the season because Buffy's got this sister now that's not her sister that she's responsible for because who knows where her dad is. He's in Spain with his secretary. Yeah, I guess we do, but he doesn't answer the phone. Xander and Anya are getting closer. Anya's kind of learning more about what it means to be human. She's very into money. She's working at Giles' magic shop, which is a new setting this season. Giles opens a magic shop, which is cute. I like that for him. It's a good place for everybody to come hang out and it fits the plot. But yeah, Anya works there. She's very into money. Xander ends up proposing. His life's going pretty good. He's got a good job. He's got an apartment. He's got a girlfriend. Spike's still got the chip, so he's not killing people. He's helping everyone out, but everyone's also kind of annoyed with him because of his weird obsession with Buffy. Buffy is creeped out by it sometimes, but ultimately she comes around and accepts that he's a nice man to her because he's in love with her and helps protect her sister, who he's got a weird relationship with. And, um... It ends with Buffy sacrificing herself to save her fake sister, and she dies. And Giles kills Ben, which thereby kills Glory. 
Am I missing anything? Did I miss any people? Any big things? There was a troll. There was a troll. They had a week to fill, and they brought in a troll. Riley leaves. He goes to Belize to fight demons, I guess. His demons. Oh, and Buffy gets rehired by the council, but she's like, I'm the captain now. Although that doesn't really come into play. Like, there's this big moment where they come and, like, audit her, and she tells them what's up, but then, like, we really don't see them much or hear about them at all. They don't help with Glory whatsoever, even though it seemed like that was the plan. But... She works for them, I guess, now, but she's dead, so who knows? That's season five, baby. That's season five, baby. So we've each come up with a list of our top five moments from this season. Stacey, what are your top five moments? Start with my, my number five, my least fave fave? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's going to be Wizard Giles. <laughs> the day the magic shop opens, Buffy's going to check it out, and Giles is wearing like this cute little pointy wizard cap and matching gown. Yeah, that was so funny. He's just staring at her so cute, and she just hates it so much and um, doesn't say anything. <laughs> and then he takes it off. It's very funny. Very memorable. Yeah, it's funny. What about you? What's your number five? My number five? Oof. So it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. That's <laughs> so hard. We can do some honorable mentions at the end. Okay, so this might seem like a little weird, but I really like when Xander meets up with Willow as his double and does the Snoopy dance for her Aww. to let her know that he's the real one. And honestly, this season I feel like does a really good job of like kind of showing us their relationship without like making a whole episode dedicated to their friendship. Sure, yeah. I guess Triangle is kind of dedicated to their friendship. Yes, I guess that is true. That episode is. But I mean, besides that episode, I mean, there's there's that. There's another part where he thinks Riley's really cool. And Willow's like, well, I think you're cool. And then there's the Snoopy dance episode. And there's some other ones throughout. Yeah. So I thought that was on. Cool. They do have little moments throughout. So far, no overlap. Historically, we picked the same five moments in slightly different orders. Well, I went with one that I thought you might not pick. I mean, that's not going to be like, oh, my God, uh, my favorite scene ever. But I like that one a lot. Yeah. I thought you might pick Wizard Giles. That was great. It, it's on my list, but it's not number five. Okay. Do you want to hear my number four? Yeah. Some of ours might overlap. I could see that happening. I went with Spike's speech to Buffy in the alley, intercut with his fight with the subway slayer. Mm, interesting. The slayer from the 70s. She's not like a serial killer who kills people in the subway. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was well shot, and I liked that episode. It was just like the the action of both scenes were like the same and it was cutting back and forth between the two. And I think what he was saying in that scene like really kind of set up how Buffy's dealing at the end of the season. Why did you say interesting? My number four is the Spike-Buffy conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Uh, Fool for love. I spoke too soon. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I thought you might pick this one, but I didn't think it would be in this spot. This isn't the one I meant when I said there's going to be overlap. I predict two of the rest of ours will be the same. Okay, probably true. Okay, I'm going to move on to number three, which I predict is on your list. Probably. You ready? I mean, I, I, there's no way these next three aren't all on your list. I think one of mine might be weird, but we'll see. Okay. Number three for me is Buffy realizing Dawn isn't her sister. Oh. I can't tell if that's a fake O. No, that's a real O. That's not on my list. Interesting. Interesting. You love that um, moment. I think you forgot about it. Yeah, I think I did. I probably because of the monks. They made you forget. Yeah. There's a lot of things that make people forget this season, like the whole Ben and Glory thing. (laughs) I guess with Dawn, they make you remember. So you're talking about when she goes into that like trance to see if there's something wrong with her mother, 
and her mother doesn't have anything wrong, but she notices that there is something wrong with her sister. No, no. I'm talking about the end of No Place Like Home after Glory throws Buffy out the building and she talks to the monk and the monk tells her everything. Oh, yes. So the monk is like, she doesn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was great. And then Buffy goes home and looks at Dawn like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's a great episode, right? Because they set up, like, maybe there's there's something weird weird with Dawn and, like, maybe she's evil. And then it's like, no, she's an innocent. Mm-hmm. She's not evil. She's just an annoying kid. That's natural. Yeah, it's just so much, like, gravity is set up in that episode that Buffy's yeah. got to, like, take care of this person that she knows is nobody to her, but she feels like she is. Yeah, this should have made my list. That was a great moment. That episode overall was pretty good. I liked the introduction to Glory quite a bit. I feel like she petered out for me as far as liking her as a big bad, but I really thought I was going to love her based on her intro. What's your number three? My number three is Buffy's speech to the council. Okay. It's just like a powerful moment where she's just like, listen, I'm not playing your fucking games anymore. You want my power. Well, too bad you don't have it. That was just great. And then, like, defending her friends. That whole scene's funny because Anya's terrified of becoming, of being, like, outed to the council as the next demon. Mm-hmm. And Buffy's like, we've got, like, a witch and an next demon and, a, and, like, a boy that said a lot of field time. And then Anya's like, Willis the next demon? demon? <laughs> That's really funny. But also the speech is powerful. And it's good. It was. It's really fun to see Buffy stand up to the council because they just, like, walk all over her and she just has to take it. But also, and forgive me for this like little diversion here, but like this isn't a moment, but it's like a theme. I just the Buffy and Giles relationship this season is just really amazing, and I love it so much. Yeah, I just want to talk about this for a second. Giles at the beginning of the season is like, I'm gonna leave, and he's gonna tell Buffy at the end of the episode. But she's like, Hey, before you go, I want to tell you that like I want to train more, and I need you. You're the only one that can train me. And then he's all like, Oh, I didn't have anything to tell you. I forgot about that. Oh, that maybe should have made my list. That was a really good moment. It was this great moment where he's like, of course I'm here for you, Buffy. You know, like, he's got reason. Buffy needs him still. And that was great. But then also throughout the season, there's so much more. When he's dying, he tells her, like, in Spiral, like, you know, you're everything I could have wished for. Like, you're the best slayer that, you know, a a watcher could have ever asked for. And then there's the moment uh, at the very end where he kills Ben and he tells Ben, like, it's crazy. Like, Buffy is, like, so morally good that she couldn't kill you even though you're innocent. Even though it means that you're probably going to come back and try to kill her again and on. She can't do it because she's a hero. Like, that was amazing, too. I'm sorry. Your moment about Buffy telling off the council just became, like, five more moments. Well, I, I just, that's, you're right. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I just, this whole thing about, this just such a great thematic running bit about Giles's relationship with Buffy this season. I just I just loved it. Yeah, I agree. It was great. I'm bummed I forgot that. Mo- Is that in Dracula, the very first episode, where he tells her he's not moving? Um, if it's not Dracula, it's the second episode. I don't remember, though. Or he doesn't tell her he's not moving. He just is like, never mind. Yeah. He tells Willow he's going to leave. So that was your number three? Uh, yeah, and I guess that was really like six scenes, but yeah. <laughs> But also, in that same episode, she tells Giles, like, the council is attacking the one thing that they know I can't live without, and that's you. Oh, yeah. And it was just, like, these, like, moments. I'm like, oh, my God, can you guys just hug and be dad-daughter from now on? You can call Giles dad. It's fine. They hug sometimes. And yeah. it's very much implied that he's her daddy. Yeah. I definitely considered the council moment, but I just feel like it didn't end up going anywhere. 
Sure. I agree they didn't pay off anything as far as plot. They, like, give her some information and then GTFO. But like, they never once speak of, like, how the council's looking up stuff about Glory or, right. like, Giles got a fat paycheck from the council. You know what I mean? They just yeah. never use any of that. I agree. Okay. So I think we're on my number two. Yeah. My number two is Spike comforting Buffy on the porch. Why are you silent? No reason. Is that your number two, Brian? It's my number two. It's oh my so goodness. good. That's the one I didn't think you'd have. What are you talking about, man? That's the know. scene I remembered. Like, of all the season five episodes, like, that's the one where you're like, okay, maybe, uh, are we redeeming Spike? God damn it. I thought you were a bit of a Spike hater. Not a Spike hater. I think you do like Spike, but I, I think you hate how much people love Spike. Yeah, I mean, I think people, like, overlook the fact that he's a straight-up psychopath murderer. Yes. Who just happens to fall in love, too. And they're like, oh, that's cute. It's like, yeah, but he does murder and drink babies till recently. No, but that moment was great. He was, like, on his way to fucking kill her yeah. after she Cecilied him. By Cecilied him, that's the, the woman who scorned him in the past. Not the Saturday Night Live actress. Right. And didn't she, like, say the same thing that Cecily had said to him? Like, You're beneath me. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So he's like on his way to kill her and then sees that she's sad and has a change of heart because he loves her. I think yeah. also between when he was going to go kill her and when he saw her, we saw the moment with Drew and like her moose boyfriend. Yeah. Where Drew's like, yeah, you love Buffy. Do you have more to say about it? No, it's just a great scene. The way he sits down and like puts his arm around her, like pats her back sort of. And it was funny for us to think about like, what does Buffy think of him doing that? Because she doesn't know that he's in love with her at this point. Yeah. And it's never really spoken to yeah she just kind of doesn't tell him to go away but yeah i wonder like how long he stayed there with her and she must have told him because i think he knows in like the next episode because he knows what's up before riley does yeah okay do you want to hear my number one i do you kind of already said it okay i'm sorry it's um giles killing ben yeah is that yours it's not okay it's just included in your love for buffy giles yeah, it's my number three slash, these are seven scenes. It's your 3D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you kind of covered it, but I thought that was really cool of Giles. Like, I love, I love dark Giles. Yeah. And that was just Giles, like, dark side coming through in a very, I know he's saying Buffy's the hero, but, like, that was, like, a brave, selfless thing for him to do, I guess. Like, it's still, it's a little wrong, but he knew Buffy can't do it. Yeah. And for the greater good. Someone had to do it, and he's like, well, I've already, who knows what I've done to however many people in my life. What's one more? But it's not presented like that. It's presented like he's doing a really good thing. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe not articulating it the best, but no, I think you guys saw it. In my Giles scene compendium, I forgot to mention, mm -hmm. there's also that scene where Spike is, like, looking for Buffy, and Giles is aware that he's, Ooh. like, trying to court Buffy, and he, like goes a little ripper and like he's got spike up against the wall and he's like you're not going to get buffy you're not coming through us you're gonna leave this alone and forget I love about that it too oh anytime giles is like a little nasty i'm into it <laughs> not that way but like a protective cool ripper dad way yeah weirdo <laughs> no i'm not alone and <laughs> you're not i'm shipping the right characters by shipping, I mean I like them. <laughs> Stacey doesn't understand shipping, so sometimes it's very confusing. I'm shipping everyone. My feelings are correct. Okay, my number one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like this is just obvious, and I hate to, I, but I'm going to do it because it is my favorite scene. Buffy sacrificing herself at the end of the gift. That scene is just like super powerful because 
they've set it up so much all season with the first Slayer telling her that death is her gift. And Buffy's like almost like angry about that. Like death is my gift. I'm this monster that kills. Fine. That's what I that's all I am. And then in that moment, she realizes, no, your death, your sacrifice can be the gift. And when it says your gift, is it it's it's interesting, right? Is it saying, is it this your gift? Is this Buffy's gift to the world? Or is this the gift that the Slayer lineage has given to Buffy? It can be interpreted either way. But that moment, the music swells. She, like, knows what she has to do. And she turns and just, like, slow motion runs off the edge. Fucking great. Super good. Tears. Yeah, that was a, a great episode. Do we have some honorable mentions? Are we doing those? I didn't really, for some reason. I feel like you've mentioned any that would have made my list, but these I didn't have a ton of extra ones. There's obviously a lot of great moments. Like, um, some of the Willow and Tara stuff was nice. Like, Willow needing to take care of Tara. That stood out to me. Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I. it was right at the bottom of my list, but when Glory shows up at Buffy's house. Oh, sure, yeah. Because that was just like a great, like, oh, this villain is like really strong and powerful and can just show up any time of day at your house, no invite needed, and like should kill you and your family, and there's really nothing you could do about it. Like all the other villains had like rules and limitations. Glory doesn't. She just shows up like, yeah, I could kill you. Now, you can argue that they don't do enough with Glory as far as she's so scary and powerful, but yet she doesn't utilize any of that ever. Yeah, she and I think takes that's her time yeah. for some reason. I guess she is like Ben half the time. But her just showing up at Buffy's like mid-season like, oh, hey, yeah, I could kill your whole family. What's up? The only reason she doesn't is because she wants the key and doesn't know that Dawn is the key. That was cool. That was like, ooh, this villain's not effing around. And I think you're right that they really set her up to be crazy powerful and strong at the beginning of the season. And then they sort of just sit on that until the end. But I like that scene. Obviously, the body was very good and well yes, done. Obviously. I wouldn't say that like any moments from that are like my favorite moment because they're also like sad. But yeah, I mean, that opening scene of the body was very good, especially. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. The website I use to like remember what the episodes were about. It's like little recaps. I'll just read it. Buffy and the gang are crushed by the death of Joyce. Dawn goes to the morgue to see the body and is attacked by a vampire. Buffy saves her and watches as Dawn reaches to touch Joyce. It's just like more than half of the summary is dedicated to the last minute of the episode. Yeah, the last like two seconds. It's very weird. It's like they were done with the description then they saw that scene. They're like, oh, we got more words we got to put in here. I guess I don't know what else you would write about Joyce without describing the whole first scene in detail. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't say, Joyce dies, paramedics come, Buffy says thank you to them when they leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's very weird. That was another Giles moment that was really good. Like, she calls Giles over, who thinks Glory's there, he sees Joyce is there, and then he, like, comforts Buffy immediately. Mm -hmm. Great Giles season. Giles is the star of the show. Yeah. It's not in the body, but Giles mourning Joyce on his own time. Yes. And also, just for fun, a fun Giles moment when he really doesn't mind going back for a shoe when yeah, I thought about <laughs> Dracula's uh, minionesses are, like, accosting him. And Riley has to hold him back. He's all like, yo, I gotta go back to those girls. Yeah, Riley was, like, funny in that episode. Yeah. Okay, well, we don't want to dwell on the negative too much, but even good shows have mistakes and problems sometimes. So we've each chosen a worst moment of the season. I'll go first. Yeah. Two stuck out for me. One isn't really a moment, but just the fact that, like, the show strung Riley along. Like, so did Buffy, but I felt like the show was like, yeah, we're kind of done with that. But, like, we can't, we don't want to get rid of him yet. Yeah. It just, it felt like he didn't have anything to do for several episodes. Like, the yeah, one totally. with the Queller demon, he's just, like, off G.I. joe and I, I don't know. It, it it felt like they were 
done with him sooner than they actually were. Yeah. They were just treading water with him. They were just like, he's here. We all know he's going to leave. Every episode's the same. He's like upset with Buffy, sort of. And honestly, same with Dean. It was weird how those overlapped. I think they hung on to Riley longer than they hung on to Dean. Yeah. But I'm going to go with Snake Demon. That's so fucking funny. (laughs) Is that yours? Yes. (laughs) It's just like, we've done this. It doesn't look good. We know it's not surviving this episode. There's no stakes. It's not scary. We did a TikTok about this, about like, why do you keep doing CGI snake demons? They never look good. But despite the fact that it doesn't look good, it, it got brought out like, it wasn't the monster of the week even. It was just like a tool that Glory was using. Yeah. It's like, you can just do this glory why do we need a snake to i mean i guess it was to sniff out the key yeah it found the key because glory can't see the key but it was just so stupid and i don't know just so so much ado about nothing yeah do you have more to say i thought of a different one i'm I'm gonna change what i hate i'm gonna change it do you still hate that though right yeah that was so dumb i love buffy but that creature just looks so stupid it was cool. On paper, it's cool, right? That she, like, grabs this thing, chokes it out, and then just, like, beats its face in because she's upset about her mother. But something should stay on paper. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean conceptually, like, that's a cool concept. But mm-hmm. the, it's like, you should have to realize your limitations, though, guys. Like, it, it looks terrible. Yeah, it was cool the way the snake became her mom's cancer. Like, she was taking it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was my least favorite episode. Mm-hmm. But just, like, the fact that they used this snake. Like, make it anything besides a snake. I don't know. It's just like why it too ambitious for like yeah. that point in the season. Okay. I'm gonna go with and not and I don't hate the episode necessarily, but the episode where Dawn tries to bring back her mother and they have to go to a cave to get an egg and fight like a little dragon dude. All of that looked terrible. It was one of those things where it was like, this looks terrible. Unnecessary. The action is so forgettable because you know it's not I don't believe Spike is gonna die. In this cave. Like, Spike and Don are going to be fine. I'm not worried about anybody dying. I'm not worried about anyone even being hurt. That was just that episode's, like, action fulfillment. Yeah, but also, like, because it looked bad, and you could tell the writers and directors knew it looked bad, so they were like, we're just going to do a lot of cuts so you don't have to see it that much. Uh, And it's just sitting there, like, just the weakest puppet. Like, they're barely trying to make it look intimidating. And it was all for some, like, side quest that goes nowhere. So, yeah, I, I hated that. I hated that so much. And it ruined the tone. Of that episode, which was this like really creepy, dark, like pet cemetery tone that I liked. You know, I liked this like bringing someone back. What does that mean? Oh, that could be really dangerous. And like Doc was scary and like red flaggy. But then we had this silly cartoon action sequence. I was like, this is kind of ruining the mood of this episode. Like, why do you need this thing's egg to bring someone back from the dead? Like, it could have been literally anything. Yeah, because the writers could have they picked this so they could have done anything. Okay, anything else bad to say about Buffet Season 5? Uh, no, otherwise it is perfect. Great. <laughs> so, Brian, what do you think is the best episode of Buffy Season 5? Your favorite episode? Yeah, I mean, again, I know. I know, guys. Everyone's going to say this. But The Gift. The Gift is like a perfect Buffy episode from start to finish. I thought it was fantastic. Well, when you say perfect, there's things about it that I've picked apart in the podcast because I'm a dick. But I, I honestly thought it was just like a thrilling ride the whole episode. It was great. What do you think? I, just to be different, because mm-hmm. I did like the gift, but I think I'm going to go with Fool for Love. Yeah, Fool for Love was also great. 
Which is interesting because I didn't vote for Fool for Love because of the Gilmore was paired with. It was a tough decision, but I went with Gilmore. This is the one week we split. Mm. We voted together every week besides this one. What was the Gilmore one? You jump by, jump Jack. Mm. I, I don't think the gift is as funny. There's sure. funny moments in it. But I think if I'm like watching something for enjoyment and like the emotional moments, I think Fool for Love is just like a more fun episode. Oh, sure. With like a little a little bit of everything where the gift is like more heavy. Fool for Love is heavy too, but it's more playful. I think the gift is great. I've kind of just wanted to pick something different because you no, that's great. pick the gift. But I I don't I think if I had to rewatch one right now, it might be Fool for Love because I just watched the gift probably. But Spiral was great. The body was great. People are going to be mad that we didn't just choose the body. We both thought the body was great and did a lot of really cool things that were unique for just TV in general. But if you're like, what's a great episode of Buffy that I want to rewatch? You're not going to throw on the body. Yeah, you're not like, let's do a fun body watch. It's like, no, I'm going to be sad the whole time. It's just hard to say, like, my favorite episode is the body. That's like a hard sentence to say. Just because it's so sad and so heavy. It's not a fun one. I mean, it was an enjoyable watch. It was a great watch, but it's not like a, let's watch that a bunch of times. Obviously well done. Yes. The gift is also like the whole season Fuck, the, the whole last three seasons has set up the gift. Right. So it's all climax. You know what I mean? Like, it's all, like, emotional, heavy stuff. So that's part of it, all the, the lead up to it. We should talk for just a moment about Buffy season five as far as how it fits in with the other seasons. And you guys, I'm sure, know this already, but they've been setting the season up for a while, like I mentioned. In season three, Faith alludes to Dawn showing up. And does like a literal countdown of like how many episodes and days it's going to be until we get to see Dawn. And it's part of Buffy's like prophecy dreams. It doesn't make any sense at the time. You would have no way of knowing that what she's saying has some significance. Then in season four in Restless, there's a lot of little Easter eggs suggesting Dawn's coming next season. Then we meet Dawn and it's like this is the fulfillment of everything you've said before. And this was supposed to be the final season at first. So it was like Johnson's like, yeah, I'm writing Buffy's like final, like everything is coming to a head. Like this mm-hmm. is what her whole life is about, is this final confrontation. Do you think that season six and seven feel tacked on or do you think that they're good? So I, when I originally watched Buffy season six, I felt it was tacked on. It felt tacked on. I do not feel that way about season seven. I could see that because they, they had a restart. So they're like. Okay, now we know what we are again, but they didn't have a plan for what season six would be. Now, I know somebody out there is probably pissed at me for saying that. It's been a long time since I've seen season six. Maybe I'll have a totally different opinion this time. I I do think that season six is great as far as the writing and picking up on themes and plots that are already there. So it's not like, I don't know, this is there. Well, actually, there is some of that. You'll see. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought season five was good. It was pretty consistent. I I think it was probably more consistent than four overall as far as like fewer bad episodes. Oh, I also hated Xander's conversation with Buffy about Riley. Mm, Yeah, I thought that too. He just like shows up and he's like, I'm here for a bunch of hard exposition, Buffy. Like, what are you, what? What Who wrote this? Yeah. Yeah, there's fewer bad episodes in season four. I think Glory's a better villain than Adam in The Initiative. Oh, yeah. So much richer than Adam in The Initiative. I was left with a bit to be desired as far as questions regarding Glory and Ben. But what they did with, like, Buffy and Don and Giles and all that was really cool. 
And yeah, it was fun to introduce Dawn the way they did. We talked about this a little bit, you and I, about like, if you think about it, watching the first time, you're like, who the hell is this character? You're not going to tell us? Yeah. We have to wait a couple episodes? That was really fun. Do you have any predictions for season six? Uh, Well, I predict Buffy will somehow come back from the dead. It seems wild to just have her be like a ghost or in a different plane of existence for two full seasons. Yeah. I think Spike and Buffy will develop a further romance in some way. I think Willow's going to get a little darker. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It seems to be going that direction. I mean, they, they're telling us pretty hard. She's like getting sucked into darker and darker magic. But yeah, Buffy's always so weird because it's like a hard reset. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, they always end like, and that's taken care of. Yeah. I kind of don't think she'll go back to school. I, it doesn't make sense for her to. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Dawn, because I imagine for at least the first couple episodes, Buffy won't be around, so someone's got to take care of Dawn. I'm excited to see what happens with Xander and Anya. They'll probably get married at some point, and um, I bet there'll be a lot of little monsters showing up. Wow, perfect prediction. I know there's something with a vineyard. (laughs) Because of the board game? Maybe the magic shop will get destroyed and they'll start a a wine company. Yeah, that's what, yeah, Anya likes wine. They're capitalists. Wink.com, promo code Gilmore Slayer at checkout. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You and I have not touched season six or seven of these shows more than once, and it's been a long, long time. So I'm excited yeah. to experience it with you. I'm just excited to see Jonathan again. Brian. Oh, and I'm excited for the musical. I know it's coming. It's going to be great. I love when Giles sings to me. <laughs> All right. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us saw. But we've been discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. That's right. And now we're going to recap what we think happened on Charmed Season 5. Take it away, Brian. Meanwhile on Charmed Season 5, still desperate to get her baby back, Phoebe jumps into the ocean to make some kind of a deal with a sea hag. The sea hag, mind you, was meanwhile trying to steal the immortality of a mermaid with a horrible singing voice, an absolutely disgusting tale, but a very hot top half. So the sea hag, who's in cahoots with another demon named Wyatt, does bring Phoebe's baby back, but it's Piper's now, and Phoebe gets turned into a mermaid. Paige, Piper, and Leo convince Wyatt, the demon, to turn Phoebe back into a human in exchange for naming the baby after him. But unfortunately for Phoebe, the baby does have to stay inside of Piper. And I think it's just like her baby now? Yeah, it's complicated, the lore of Charmed (laughs) Season 5. But you see, mermaids aren't the only supernatural storybook slash fairy tale creatures we meet this season. We met just about everything. That's right. An evil witch forces the sisters to relive fairy tales, but luckily Grams, the old woman who lives across the street that we've known has been in the show this whole time. Right, yeah, yeah. Read the girls' fairy tales when they were growing up, so they know how these stories go already. And in the end, Grams is made the new keeper of the fairy tales. Always good to see Grams. Love Grams. Knew she was there all along. Cole and Phoebe are lured to their death by a siren. But they're brought back to life by a boy who can bring superheroes to life by drawing them. However, they are brought back to life without their powers. The same boy also drew Prue and brought her out of her painting life for an episode, which she was not a fan of. But now the sisters know she's watching over them, and it was nice to see her again. Always nice to see Prue. Love Prue. Did we? Did we love Prue? I don't remember. (laughs) 
The Council of Witch Doctors paid a visit and made voodoo dolls of the girls, making Phoebe go to Piper's bar and slap around all of her employees. But in the end, the sisters turned the witch doctors into voodoo dolls and gave one of them to Andy as a wife. What the fuck did we write? She consented to it. She liked Andy. She did, right. This is the show. Oh my God, what have we done? (laughs) And also, turns out when Andy puts on the Charmed One's shoes, he turns big and can have himself a night out on the town in the regular-sized world, but he prefers the cupboard. Immediately following Voodoo Week, a demon attacked the Charmed Ones with dream dust, causing their nightmares to come to life, which were all just the same voodoo problems they had last week. Easy to solve. It helps some leprechauns overcome a demon who's trying to steal their magic and end the episode by doing a big Irish dance. Because apparently that's Paige's white letter power, making people dance. I don't know that we made that connection, but that's probably why they danced. Paige gets turned into a nymph indefinitely after trying to help some other nymphs who guard a pond with unobtainium. Unobtain, unobtainium, un, unobtainium, unobtainium. You said it fine the first time that we did this. It's the same stuff. From Avatar at the bottom. Phoebe eventually gets their powers back by using some eyes she obtained from a father-son duo dealing with the father-sex curse. And as I said, that was the best episode of television slash movies slash anything I've ever seen. But right after she gets their powers back, Barbus, the demon of fear, returns and immediately steals them again. By the way, neither of us, nor the Charmed Ones, remember Barbus. But Cole uses that very fear... Barbus's own fear of being insignificant to shrink him down to Polly Pocket size, and he played with him once a week. Polly Pocket. That's hot pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but not before Barbus uses the Charmed One's fears against them, including Paige's biggest fear, turtles. Including one gorgeous turtle that Leah throws into the water where it does very well for itself. I don't remember this at all. This We said these things? You mostly said that turtle stuff. <laughs> I said she was afraid of turtles, but then you added that it was hot, I think. There was a gorgeous turtle. Okay. These recaps are always a bit of a surprise for me. You know what it was? I think I started to say that the turtle was, like, pretty scary or something, but I didn't say scary. I sort of stuttered pretty, and (laughs) you ran with that. It was a pretty turtle. People want to hear the recap, right? Let's get back. I want to know the recap. What did happen to Paige's white lighter power, which is, of course, to make people dance really hard. So she helps a man by teaching him a dance that's also a way to cook lo mein and make broccoli. Right, right. Phoebe and Cole's troubles didn't stop there. They also got divorced just for tax reasons. They wanted to make sure that they were paying their fair share. But during this time, Cole has set up an elaborate ruse involving time travel and faking his own death so he can propose again by putting a ring in his airway for Phoebe to find when she goes to save him. Then, when a demon kidnaps Phoebe to use to house the spirit of his dead lover, the mummy style, Cole tries to convince him to use Paige instead. Everyone's actually kind of fine with this because no one's super into Paige yet, but neither is the demon, so he just calls the whole thing off. Then Cole, who is clearly evil again at this point, gets the sisters out of the house so he can use quote-unquote non-magical legal means, a.k.a. eminent domain, to try to build a highway to the Nexus, capital N, through the mansion. The Nexus, capital N, of course, as Tom, capital T, Hanks, capital H, reminded us, is where all the universes meet and only one person from each universe can access it. Cole reveals his plan to a shapeshifter posing as Phoebe, who tells the real Phoebe all the bad things Cole has done, like setting up Piper to fail a health inspection and getting Paige arrested. 
He tries to win Phoebe back by undoing this, by casting a reality-altering spell, which causes Paige to have never even shown up, eliminating the power of three, making the girls lose all their powers. After a weak little demon started ravaging the town, Cole tries to make things right, thinking it will fix all the damage she's caused with Phoebe. But he's wrong. Divorce for real, says Phoebe, and her and her sisters cast a spell that keeps him from coming in the house and using the nexus he so desperately wanted control of. Wait, how do they have their powers? Oh, he changed everything back once he saw that things were going badly with the weak little demon. Got it. You upset this doesn't all make perfect sense, Brian? (laughs) It does. We watched the show. And it does. I just didn't put that part in. You know, speaking of things that make perfect sense, Piper and Leo are also having a lot to deal with this season. You mean like when their unborn child swapped their powers and Piper was a time-traveling dog stuck in the 60s playing fetch? She loved that, though. She did. And since their unborn son had been previously blessed, all it took was a sneeze-related bless you for him to become the twice-blessed child, stopping all magic as had been foretold in the prophecy, causing all magic to stop until his birth. Luckily, baby Wyatt, named after the demon, was born soon after, so magic was restored, but immediately he's got a crone trying to steal him and his power. Ugh, crones. Luckily, he Blanca's like the street fighter. Fighter. (laughs) (laughs) So she wasn't able to crab him. (laughs) (laughs) That should say grab. Well, we're keeping it crab. The crone can't grab him. Paige thought she rectified the situation by dressing up like Dog the Bounty Hunter and giving all the crones handies. What the fuck? <laughs> we said that? Most of these things you have said. <laughs> so Wait, the whole so conversation dog... about whether or not women can get handies. Dog the Bounty Hunter is giving out handies? That's the solution? Yeah. Okay. And they're like, we're going to tell him Dog did this. And she's like, we'll see if that comes back to haunt him. <laughs> Well done, Brian and Stacy. But they do come back. The crumbs. <laughs> okay. Okay. I get where am I? I lost my place. Woo. Okay. Looking for handies. Uh, okay. <laughs> Brian's not. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, handies don't work on crones for very long. <laughs> 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 but apparently, handies don't work on crones for very long. <laughs> Because one comes back and tries to steal Wyatt again by making Piper, Phoebe, and Paige temporarily blind, deaf, and dumb, respectively. Of course, the crone is blind, deaf, and dumb herself, so she has a hell of a time finding Wyatt. Plus, he's a magic baby, pulling all kinds of tricks, so crone never stood a chance. Then, during Wyatt's very well-attended Wiccaning, a.k.a. witch baptism, a necromancer tries to use a zombie army to try to bite people and steal their powers. The scissors manage to stop him from doing so, but he does get away. At least Wyatt's a warlock in the eyes of God now. <laughs> yes, and Alyssa Milano was great in that episode. But Piper and Leo are having marital problems as well, so Piper casts a spell that allows them to view all their past lives, in all of which they cross paths in a brothel and always utter the phrase, you looking for some straight up pussy? <laughs> season was funny. I forgot about all of this shit, man. This romantic. Every every time they say you looking for some straight up pussy. Turns out the problem with their marriage was they just hadn't said this phrase to each other in this life yet. But the season ends when Chris Perry, a cool bird obsessed white lighter from the future, shows up to warn the sisters that the Titans, a.k.a. female goddesses, One who we learned is played by the guy who plays Luke and the judge in Buffy, so... Very masculine, boxy man, have all awakened. 
Leo discovers their plans, get Paige, white lighter question mark, written in a notebook, and is able to warn Paige, who hides from the Titans behind a door. Phoebe and Piper are pretty distracted by the fact that Leo is becoming an elder, doing crosswords, smoking a pipe, watching Wheel of Fortune, not wanting to go for walks. But Chris pulls himself away from the birds and gets the sisters to snap into action before the Titan goddesses can open the door and kidnap Paige. And they give Chris two birds to take back to the future so he can mate them and restart the bird population. Will we see Chris Perry again? Will we see Cole again? Will Paige ever get unnymphed? Will anyone ever like her? Will the crone keep coming for Wyatt and more handies? Will Leo die of old age? Find out next season. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. Okay, Brian, let's talk about Gilmore Girls. Can you tell us everything that happened in season five? Okay, so season five picks up right where season four left off. Rory slept with Dean, who's married, Lorelai found out. And Lorelai isn't, like, you know, pumped on the fact that Rory's the, the other woman right now. Opening scene's great because, like, we see the, the scene from Dean's point of view. Mm-hmm. So then Rory struggles because she knows she shouldn't be involved with Dean because he's married, but they can't help themselves and they keep hooking up. And this is putting a lot of strain on her relationship with her mother, who's very disapproving of what happened, and Rory doesn't want to talk about it. So Rory decides to put some distance between herself, Dean, and her mother, and she goes to Europe with Emily for a while and like just isn't really talking to her mother. So they're estranged. It's not good. Rory comes back from Europe. She apologizes to her mother. They're great. She has her mother give a letter to Dean saying that like, hey, we should just be friends because, uh, you know, you're married, BTW. And oops, Lindsay finds that letter. And so they break up. And then Rory and Dean are like, you know what? We should date. And it's awkward for everybody. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. just super awkward for everyone. Meanwhile, meanwhile, last season, Luke and Laura like kiss. So this season, they're like, hey, we're going to date. Luke's out of the picture for a couple of days because he's got to go help TJ and Liz with some jewelry stuff at a fair because they injured themselves. But when they come back, they are hot and heavy and they are dating and it is awesome. And Luke reveals that he's been in love with her for like ever Uh, And they date for a while. And Rory's still at college. She's dating Dean. It's really tragic and awful and sad and pathetic. Luke and Lorelai date for a while. Yeah, I guess there is a mid-season scuffle. Also, Emily and Richard are estranged as well because Richard was not paying attention enough to Emily. So they're in separate areas. He's in the pool house. They are able to bond over the fact that they both don't like Dean and they both don't like Luke. They don't think these are good pairs for their daughter and granddaughter, so they can scheme together. The couple that schemes together stays together. Rory is very happy that her mother is with Luke and that her mother's happy. So she literally tells her father, Chris, like, don't talk to my mom. I don't want her to, like, fall in love with you again. He's having a tough time because his wife left him with the baby. She's just like, nah, I'm leaving. You can have the baby. Emily, meanwhile, tells Christopher, like, hey, Richard and I are getting back together. We're going to have, like, a vow renewal ceremony. You should come and uh, try to break Luke and Lorelai up and take her. Rory and Dean break up because Richard and Emily throw a big, like, party for her to, like, meet potential rich boy suitors. And Dean shows up and is like, you're too rich. Our lives don't work anymore. I guess we're broken up. And he leaves. She's not too sad about it because she definitely wants to bone Logan, who is one of those pretty rich boys. At this vow renewal, Rory's like, uh, maybe I'm going to hook up with Logan. I'm going to be crazy. I'm going to go after what I want, just like my mom did when she was young. Christopher tells Luke that 
he should be with Lorelai. And also, Lorelai spent the night at his house comforting him and drinking when his father died. And she didn't mention that to Luke. And so Luke's all like, I'm out of this relationship. Then there's a couple episodes where they're not together. It's real sad. Then they're like, you know what? No, we're super in love. Let's be together again. Everyone's happy. Great decision by the writers. Getting back together. Suki has a baby. Lorelai has issues with her daughter as far as like she wants to tell Rory that like her relationship with Logan isn't great the way it is because they're doing casual, but she bites her tongue. Rory eventually feels the same way and tells Logan, like, hey, we're either boyfriend-girlfriend or we're nothing. And he's all like, fine, I'll be boyfriend-girlfriend. Everything's great, except that his parents hate Rory and they let her know. And then his dad's all like, sorry about that, Rory. Here's an internship. Everything's fine. Internship is going great. Rory's going to be the best journalist ever. And then one day he's like, by the way, you're a great assistant, but you're not going to be a journalist. You just don't have it in you. Rory gets super sad and decides to steal a boat because that's what you do when you're sad. I've done it. We've all stolen yachts. All of us. She gets arrested for stealing that yacht. And obviously this puts some uh, strain on Lorelai. And this whole, ep- this whole season is just like family members upset about who their children are dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Luke, meanwhile, is like secretly maybe going to propose to Lorelai. Or he maybe wants a family with her. He like buys an old house for her. Doesn't tell her. God, he's really going about that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Just talk to the woman. Yeah, I know. And then at the end of the, ep- the end of the season, Rory decides that she's going to drop out of Yale because of what Logan's family said. This makes a big rift between her and Lorelai. And so she goes and moves in with Richard and Emily. And that's like the last straw for Lorelai. She just like leaves and is like, fuck that. I guess I don't have a daughter or parents anymore. And then she asks Luke to marry her. That's how this whole season goes. Yeah. Also, Kirk's rich. Kirk is rich. Lane's dealing with some stuff. Oh, yes, that's right. Lane has moved out of her house and moved in with her bandmates and just randomly falls in love with Zach. So that's where they are. And they can't have sex. They can't have sex until marriage. That's funny. Because that was drilled into her psyche. Okay. So we're going to do our top five moments for Gilmore Girls. Brian, what was your number five Gilmore Girl moment? Uh, My number five Gilmore Girl moment would have to be, uh, and this is tough because there's a lot of fun moments if we're just going by moments. Mm -hmm. But I would have to say it it would be when uh, Luke has to spend the day with Richard. Sure. And he gets like super drunk. Which I thought of that. Remember Luke just said that he hasn't been drunk for years and we were like, we know there's another time. There was a time where he like fixed Lorelai's window. Yeah. But there was this time, which we forgot about. Yeah. Luke. I like the idea that the show is, like, unintentionally making Luke like a serial liar. I've never seen a movie. Anyway, here's the plot <laughs> of The Matrix. and then- I haven't been drunk in years. I've been drunk a couple times in the last season. Yeah, uh, yeah, but he calls and he's all like, I had to buy golf clubs, which, you know, is the price of a car. <laughs> so funny. That was very funny. I don't even know if I love that episode, but that, that bit was funny. What's your number five? Mine's the dog. When Richard and Emily are briefly sharing a dog. Interesting. I liked their... Their arc this season. Mm-hmm. This didn't make my list, but it's probably number six. But that basement fight that they have in episode one. Yeah. Where she's like, buy me a boa and she's like on her way to Europe. All that was so funny. Yeah. But that just like sets up this estrangement that they have. But their relationship in that episode where <laughs> under the guise of taking care of this dog, they're like bonding. It was just so cute. And there were so many funny little moments in that episode. Absolutely. Yeah, it was just so cute the way that they, like, pretended that the only reason they're doing this was for the dog. For the dog. The dog likes it when I'm in the pool house, even though I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. Okay. What's your number four? My number four is the vow renewal fight. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this is your number one. Uh, When 
Lorelai turns to her mother and she's like, we're done. Uh, that was great. It's great. Now, I will say that since then, like, it's a little frustrating because I feel like they do drop the offer. And she, they, like, reconcile almost far too easy as far as I'm concerned. It is. It's a few episodes. But, um, yeah, they, they don't seem to be as done as she made it seem. Yeah, and but that moment, like we were done, like that, that was like juicy and good. Juicy. You're like, oh yeah, Emily deserves that. She deserves a slap in the face. I like that moment a lot. My f- whole leg has fallen into a deep, deep sleep. It's, it's tired. <laughs> um, my number four. I don't know if you'll remember this. You will, but I, I don't know if you have it on your list. But jealous TJ. Uh, that's okay. Is that your number one? No, that's no, that's my number six, TJ Rant. <laughs> okay. Luke's trying to bond with TJ, asking him if he's a jealous man, and TJ's like, no, 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 not me. And then Luke's got this, like, hypothetical story, which is clearly about Lorelai, but TJ thinks he meant it's about Liz. And then he just, like, goes psycho. <laughs> Who is Liz having lunch with? I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said. Yeah, he's like some guy. He's like, is it Barry? I knew it was Barry. <laughs> just, like, storms off with a weapon. Yeah. So unexpected. It's so funny. Yeah, because it goes from zero to 100 so quickly. I didn't remember this episode, really, I think. So that was was very funny. And it it sets it up to, like, TJ's the sage here. He's like, well, you got to be patient. You got to, you know, not be jealous. (laughs) I know. Is that the last time we saw TJ? We got, like, a few TJ Liz episodes early on, but then none towards the end. I bet if he had been wearing tights that were, like, breathable, he would have been way calmer. Yeah. Okay, what's your number three? My number three is Luke and Lorelai's first date, mm-hmm. like first official date, and he like shows her the horoscope. Yeah. He's admitting to her, like, I've been in love with you for a long time. Like, you made a big mark on me immediately. Classic. Classic moment. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. But that scene and that moment when he shows it to her, it's just like, I don't know. It was like him being vulnerable and honest with her, too. And Luke is just not like a vulnerable kind of man, I feel like. That's like not his shtick at all. And so I thought that was that was really cool. What's your number three? Nature must wait. <laughs> so funny. That whole scene though is pretty good. Yeah. I know you didn't like how Zach and Mrs. Kim bonded over controlling, controlling lane. lane. That was so weird. But so many jokes in that Lunar New Year scene were amazing. Brian totally. and Gil were so funny. Yeah. That kid was funny. Mrs. Kim was pretty funny. It was just a really good scene. Nature must wait. <laughs> Fun. That was a good episode. I think it's Come Home. The Richard and Emily storyline was kind of fun. And that was paired with Checkpoint. We watched those for our, our one of our watch parties where mm. we watched episodes live for the first time with our audience on Patreon. Yeah. And it was, just, it was two, not like the best episodes of the season, but they were both good episodes. Yeah, that was very funny. Nature must wait. wait. <laughs> we sit until we're done. <laughs> so funny. Oh, that kid. We laughed so hard. That and the TJ moment were like the hardest we laughed at Gilmore Girls all season. Yeah. What is your number two? My number two is Lorelai's dream. When she and Luke break up and she is having that dream and she's watching herself with Luke sort of replaying. I mean, it's a dream, so it's not exact, but sort of replaying when he said to her like, hey, I'm all in. And she's watching herself not respond to that. And she's saying to herself, say something, say something, say something. Because she didn't say anything. She didn't. And that was just, like, really well done, I thought, thematically. And, like, such an interesting, like, decision to make it, like, a dream. And the way they filmed it was really well done. And I don't know. I just, like, I was, like, it emotionally hooked me for her, like, yelling at herself to say something. It is interesting. 
And it did remind me of when he said that to her on their first date. It did feel like she wasn't saying something back like, yeah, I've been in love with you, too. And probably she hadn't been or, you know, not obviously not to the same level he had. But I remember thinking, like, he's saying something big to you and you're approving of it, but you're not really, like, acknowledging how big his statement is. And this scene, like, acknowledged that that's what happened. She could have said something bigger. And, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. Cool. What's your number two? My number two is Rory and Logan jumping off the thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not so much the the jumping, but just the, the moment at the bottom when she was, like, once-in-a-lifetime experience, and he says, only if you want it to be. Because they're yeah. not dating at this point. There's been no romance. There's been no official romance. Sure. But this is only like the third appearance of Logan. It, it seems like they're going somewhere with it. But I don't know. There was just, I think that's like a huge turning point in the show, which I, I felt at the time. And you maybe didn't know it, but you've seen it now. Like, I, I think that was like the first moment where Rory's like, ooh, what is this life? Yeah. And I don't know. It was just like this invitation to her, like come to this side for better or for worse it's it's a huge turning point in the show and i think that moment's very romantic yeah that's so interesting because i uh i feel that and i feel that's how it was supposed to be presented to us and i know a lot of people feel that way but i i sort of didn't like that episode because i really thought it and i talked about this a lot so i won't reiterate it too much it just really showcased his privilege and wealth and not in a way that i thought was cool and i I think this was supposed to be like this cool romantic thing, but it's like, no, this is like a whole situation he manipulated into happening. And yeah, I don't know. Where are you at on Logan now? You came out of the gate pretty strong anti-Logan, but I feel like I haven't heard you complain about him recently at all. Uh, I haven't. I'm reserving judgment still on Logan. Um, I think that they've done a, a really good job in the show of showing us that he does care about Rory. It's not just another conquest. But I think the show has also shown us a lot of him still being a privileged man, using his privilege to solve problems. I don't think we've really seen him try to solve a problem in any meaningful way. Every time he has a problem, he throws money at it. And it's like, to show me that like you're a character worth rooting for, I'd like to see you solve a problem without uh, money. Sure. But you wouldn't say you like hate him? I don't hate him. But I'm also not like Team Logan, I think... We need to address some stuff with Logan. That's fair. I I would like to reserve complete judgment until I've seen it all again as well. But I don't get why people hate, hate him as much as they do based on what we've seen. Yeah, I mean, I'll have more to say about this when we get to my least favorite moment. But I feel like there's several moments with Logan where you're like, oh, you're kind of a piece of shit. Sure. Like more so than Dean or Jess. I mean, Jess was like a piece of shit, but they sort of justified that by being like he's had a really hard life. And, like, he's unhappy, and I don't know that they fixed Jess with that. He's still got a lot of emotional problems. But Logan's got some other problems. I also see why this moment in the show, because at this point you only knew Logan as, like, a rich playboy. Yeah. You hadn't seen that he, like, does commit to Rory and care for Rory later on. So in the moment, this probably didn't mean as much to you. So, Brian, what is your number one moment of Gilmore Girl Season 5? You're going to be mad at me. Why? It's the dog! Oh, I figured it was, when I said the dog, I figured the dog was on your list, but I forgot. The dog was <laughs> I can't believe great. it's your number one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was so funny. It was so funny. It was and so cute. funny. And cute. And it, like, humanized Richard and Emily, even though that makes me mad because they're both villains. Uh, <laughs> I know. Emily. it's They're so evil. This Emily is evil this season. Yeah, I, and Richard definitely is been evil. enabling evil at the very least. Uh-huh. But you still root for them. Yeah. 
to be happy with each other. And it's a stupid, silly thing that made me laugh. It's so many funny moments came out of it, but also some emotional moments of you wanting them to reconcile. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, their relationship this season was a big star. Like, uh, because you already had one, I'm going to say, I'm going to add an addendum to the dog. That scene in the finale when Emily is talking about her day and Richard seems to sort of like be just not paying attention because he's reading a newspaper. And so she throws out that, like, some guy from her country club is going to, like, ravish her. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then someone comes to the door and she's like, who could it be? And he's like, it's probably the tennis coach from the country club who can't wait to ravish you until after your dinner with Millie. Yeah. like he was It was, looking. like, a great, perfect moment to, like, show us, like, we've done an arc with Richard. We're not resetting things. He has grown as a character. It was, like, a very funny way to do that. Yeah. That was, like, a great moment to let us know, like, yeah, all this character development, we're not throwing that away. This season had a point, you know? This is not a sitcom. So I loved that. And the dog was just encapsulated the relationship, struggle, and desire to be together so well. So good. What was your number one moment? My favorite moment is the end of Wedding Bell Blues. Ah, yes. You were right. That is my favorite moment. With Lorelai, Christopher, and Luke walking in on Rory and Logan. And just, like, the lead-up of all that into walking out to take the photo with Emily. And you're done. is just, oof. Mm, yeah. It's one of the show's most delicious moments. Yeah. But the whole, like, walk of Lorelai from leaving Rory to Emily and them having to, like, take this photo when she's so mad. But everything with, like, Christopher and Luke in that moment was pretty funny, too. Yeah. Or, like, quickly meeting Logan. That whole, like, last yeah, five-minute sequence was great. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, Logan's family tearing into Rory, just not that I like Rory getting torn down, but like the drama was fun and it was very unexpected how viciously they were like after her. Interesting. I didn't love that. I thought it felt not real or I don't know, like too much. Yeah. I totally buy that they feel that way, but it seems like they would like email Logan and be like, can you not date her? You know, like to do it in front of her seems so intense, but it's an old man. Yeah. Um, and this isn't a scene, but just Luke and Lorelai's relationship all season. I loved it. I loved every second of it. They're so good together. Mm-hmm. I, I love her with him so much more than anyone else she's ever been with. Yeah, their flirting is very cute at the diner. Their flirting is so cute. I love when Luke, like, admits that, like, he's super turned on by her. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> like, you wear a dress, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> that is a theme. Um, This almost made my list. The scene where Emily discovers Richard's vest oh was such a God. good scene. Forgot about that scene is so good. The, the vest was very funny. But, like, what Rory and Lorelai are doing is funny, too. Rory's got this bit where she's just, like, trying to make sure Richard can't tell they were there. She doesn't know what color gin is. Yeah. Just, like, everyone's doing their own little thing. But it's such a well-written scene and kind of a not-great episode otherwise. Super funny scene. Super funny. Yeah, the loud vest. Can't even hear me over his loud vest. That's so funny. Not specifically Dean leaving the show, but just, I liked that scene where him and Rory come face-to-face. And he's like, well, I don't fit in here. I don't know. I just, I liked... I like the end of that episode. That's so funny. I hated that. I, I don't know. It was just like, I, maybe because I knew it was a big turning point again. And you weren't watching it through that lens. Same yeah. with like Rory going home in the limo at the end and her mom looking out the window. You didn't know that that was like super foreshadowing where the season goes. I mean, I definitely thought that that was a foreshadow moment. That's what it felt like. Yeah. I didn't know what was to come, but it felt like that was a foreshadowing moment. But that's basically how the season ends, is that Rory's living this, like, rich, lavish life in her grandparents' pool house. Yeah. And she's not Lorelai's baby anymore. Yeah. I loved Emily saying, come home. Uh, Sick Doyle was fun. Yeah. 
Paris is also very funny in the newspaper when she's on the religious beat and Doyle like confronts her and is like, I'm getting calls. All these people are super upset and you like stole some stuff from somebody and like you won't stop badgering them and you think he's like berating her and then he's like, you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Like, Keep it up, Gellert. <laughs> Paris and Doyle were fun. Paris is a bit on the back burner this season compared to earlier seasons. Thank God she could be a lot. But she had some fun stuff. Like any show, Gilmore also had some not stellar moments. Stacey, let's discuss the moments we didn't love. What's yours? Do you have just one? Do you have several? Logan's introduction. Mm. I hated it. Yeah. And I feel like the show did a disservice to the character by the way they introduced him. That's fair. I really feel like the way they introduced him was like, no, this guy's like a sociopath. The way he's like thinks he's having a flirty debate with Rory and really it's like, no, you're just like a piece of shit. And he's like, call me master and commander. Like, what is all this? How are we dating this weird. guy? I don't know why they, they should delete that part. It like doesn't, it's like not relevant. <laughs> I feel like they could have introduced Logan as a bit of a dick and still we could have grown to like him. But this scene was like, he's like, you kind of liked this debate. It was like, no, you're not debating like a th- real thing. You're not debating like a conceptual thing or philosophical thing. You're debating whether or not you should be treating her friend with respect. Like that's not a debatable thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I really did not like the way they introduced Logan. And honestly, if they had introduced him in some other way, I might have been more Team Logan right now. But it's just such a low bar for him at the start. Like, I don't know. What was your least favorite scene? My dishonorable mentions are Lorelai's garage project. That was weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have another one. (laughs) Bop it. Bop it. Is that your one? I figured that would be your least favorite. That scene is insane. Yeah, Luke's Luke's a lot. The reason I didn't go with that one is because Luke is always a lot. Yeah. Paris is also always a lot, but a lot of times she's funny, but I really didn't enjoy drunk Paris yelling at the people in Stars Hollow and like farting at them. Yeah, that was stupid. It just, it felt like an inaccurate portrayal of drunk for a very funny, interesting character, just like. Someone slapped some nonsense on the page for that one. Yeah. I know some people like that moment, but I don't know. I think Paris is capable of much better comedy than blowing her tongue at people. Yeah. So what was your favorite episode, Stace? You're not going to like this. Okay, I'll say my honorable mentions. Okay. Written in the Stars. That's the one uh-huh. with Luke and Lorelai's first date. Yeah. Great episode. Mm-hmm. Say Goodbye to Daisy Miller, first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. Great. Basically a part two of season four finale, which is maybe my favorite episode so far. Yeah. House is Not a Home, the finale. Very mm-hmm. good. But I'm going to go with you, Jump I, Jump Jack. I know you're not going to agree. Well, that's fine. If I have to pick Fool for Love for my favorite Buffy, I have to yeah. pick the Gilmore that I voted higher than it. That's true. I like the Life and Death Brigade event. I chose that moment as a moment I liked. And you chose the moment of Luke being drunk at the country club with Richard as one of your favorite moments. That whole Luke storyline of that episode was great. Yeah. That was a, a really good episode. And it's, it's a lot of people's favorite episode. I get you not liking the Life and Death Brigade event, but... I enjoyed both parts of it. Got it. If I'm rewatching an episode, again, it's kind of like The Gift. A House is Not a Home is good, too, but I, I think You Jump, I Jump Jack is a more fun episode. And a big turning point in the show, really setting up a lot for the season. Like, Emily and Richard choosing to plot against Lorelai really set a lot of things in motion, and mm-hmm. that event was a big point for Rory and Logan. What's your favorite episode? Well, I'm torn. Uh, I do really feel like the first episode is strong, but I think Wedding Bell Blues Sure. It pays off a lot of storylines. It's shot really well. And then just like ends so strong with the like, ooh, yeah, you guys are not good after this. So yeah, I like that one a lot. It's a great one. It's also funny. I considered that one too. I I think I just don't like the first part. Like I didn't like Emily's bachelor party. Yeah. But yeah, the whole wedding part's great. 
Do you have any predictions for season six? Predictions for season six is that Rory is going to like kind of like living with Emily and Richard for a little while. But like at some point she's going to be like, oh, actually, this lifestyle is terrible and like maybe isn't cool. And like I'm going to guess Emily's going to become more and more controlling of Rory. And at some point she's like, oh, this is what my mom's always been talking about. And there's going to be a falling out with her and Emily. She's going to reconcile with her. Obviously, she's going to reconcile with her mother. I hope they keep them distanced for longer than they did this season. Because this season, they were like, it's like two episodes. Like, yeah, we're best friends again. So I'm hoping there's some more distance. But I think that's what's going to happen. She's going to live there. She's going to kind of enjoy being like a rich kid. And then at some point decide that it isn't for her. I'm just going to guess that her and Logan are going to get into a big fight at some point. Just because that's how shows and relationships go. What about Luke and Lorelai? Luke is definitely going to say yes. If he doesn't, like, okay, writers, good luck explaining why he said no. And they'll get married and be happy? Well, I don't know if they're going to get married and be happy. I wouldn't be surprised if this season doesn't end in a wedding for them. But I don't think they're going to get married, like, halfway through or anything. I guess they could go to a courthouse. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to guess that Paris is going to be upset that Rory's leaving Yale. Mm. Because Paris has, like, got one friend, and it's Rory. (laughs) And they sort of are like uh, Goku and Vegeta in that they uh, she's trying to one-up Rory and stuff. I know that's a weird reference for a lot of people. One of the reasons she can be so good is because she's trying to beat Rory or do as well or better than Rory at stuff. So I think that Paris is going to be upset that she's leaving Yale. And maybe Paris will convince her to go back. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know, but I oh. I don't know. I'm going to guess that Lorelai is going to have like a complete falling out with her parents. And she's going to be like, fine, I, we're not talking. I obviously, you've got your new daughter now, and we're not talking. Goodbye. You're out of my life. That's my guess. I, I'm going to guess they're going to reconcile at some point, too, but I, I don't know. Maybe that won't happen until the end of the season. Who knows? Maybe they'll have a dog they have to take care of. All right, so these two seasons, I feel like, had crazy amount of similarities, like, in theme and just subjects and, like, actual, like... Things that Amy straight up put in there to reverence Buffy. Yeah. Let's talk about the broad similarities, okay? Boring boyfriend the show had to get rid of. Yeah. Boring boyfriend that they started hooking up with in season four. Yeah. Both the guys almost look, they're just tall men with they're similar, similar hair. They're similar men. Sandy, yeah. floppy haired men. But also just like super boring. Like nice guys. Yes, they're nice guys, but they're just super boring. Both of them are like really wanting the woman to like them and they're afraid that the woman doesn't like them enough or that they don't fit in their lives rather. Do you think that Amy stole the concept of Riley when she formed Dean out of clay? No. I think this might just be a product of like storytelling of like dramas of like how relationships ebbs and flow and just the way that, you know, yeah, they end up with this boyfriend and then you just don't know what to do with them because you, you can't keep them on the show. Yeah. Because it's not interesting. You also can't have her stay with a boyfriend who's like really shitty. So yeah. you end up having her stay with the perfect boyfriend, and, but perfect boyfriends are boring for TV. Riley was the type of boyfriend that Buffy needed to try to have. Yes. I don't know that Rory needed to be with Dean for storytelling purposes. No. It was maybe a way for her to, like, lose her virginity. Yeah. But it was also good drama. I agree. And I feel like going back to an old boyfriend is, like, a relatable thing to explore, too. Yeah. But both shows clearly were just sort of like, what do we do with this guy? Like, he needs to go. Like, this is not fun. Every scene with them was like, ugh, are we done? Well, luckily, there's some blonde bad boys waiting in the wings for the ladies. (laughs) Yeah. Spike and Logan. I don't know that those two parallel each other a ton. Like, they're quite different people, but they're both, like, confident. They both kind of like to tell the girl what she needs and wants. That's kind of a generalization. There was the one episode that matched up. 
fool for love and you jump, I jump Jack, where yeah. they were sort of like, I know something you don't know about yourself. Right. But, I mean, I think you're right, though, as far as it's two blonde bad boys. Yeah. I don't know that Logan's like a bad, like, Logan's not a Jess, but he's sort of a rebellious rich kid. I mean, he steals yachts. That's true. Yeah, he's not Jess, but he's like a bad boy who, like, has the means of getting away with it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Both girls drop out of college. Different reasons. Both shows end with proposals. Both girls lose their moms in a sense. I suppose so. That's kind of a stretch. Buffy literally does. And right now, Rory doesn't have the support of hers. Buffy doesn't have the support of her mom because she's dead, which maybe influenced her decision at the end of season five. Uh, Both girls have um, their sisters referred to as things. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say Buffy dies for her sister. Rory barely says hi to her. (laughs) (laughs) She's just like, say hi to Gigi for me that one time she interacts with her. (laughs) I guess she interacts with her twice. She's maybe at lunch that time. Yeah, maybe. So those are like the thematic things that they've done this season. But there's also, and we've mentioned this, all these very specific things from specific episodes that make us think that Amy maybe put these in as like little Easter eggs. For instance, episode one, Buffy vs. Dracula. It's all about Dracula. He's never shown up before, never been mentioned before. He's never showing up again. He's in this one episode. That same episode of Gilmore Girls, Emily scares Lorelai unintentionally. And she's like, I scared you? What, like I'm Dracula? In a vacuum, just a coincidence. But it is a little weird that she mentions Dracula for the first time in the show when it's paired with the only Buffy episode to mention Dracula. It feels like a very forced comment coming from Emily, especially. Yeah. She's not usually the one with the references. Right. Again, in a vacuum, okay, sure, coincidence. But then there's so many more of these. This was coming right after the season four finale cheese slice crossover. Which also felt pretty intentional. Rory's putting cheese slices on her mac and cheese, and there's the cheese man in Restless. Just the fact that there was food in Lorelai's house is suspicious. Um, For season five, episode two, I just wrote, pretty sure there's something. I don't... (laughs) Okay, so keep that in mind, guys. We're pretty sure something's there. I feel like there were three episodes in a row that had like a pretty strong something. And then, like we said, You Jump, I Jump, Jack, Fool for Love. There was just a lot of thematic stuff with that one. Yeah. And season five, episode 13, I have marshmallows written down. Oh, uh, Rory was putting marshmallows on their like Pop-Tart platter they were having when Emily came over. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's the one where Dawn goes to the hospital and sits down with Ben for cocoa and asks if she wants marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 14 had a lot. This is the the date one, right? This is the one with our like longest podcast title ever because there was like four things. Yeah. Suggesting bourbon to people who don't want it. Rory kept trying to push bourbon on Sad Lorelai. Spike was trying to give Buffy some bourbon. They both said the word boo-boo. Handicapped dolls. Suki said the dolls didn't have thumbs and wasn't Drusilla's doll blind? Yeah. I think there was something about like a forced date. Like they don't know if they're on a date too. Yeah. Because Buffy wasn't sure if Spike's thing was a date. Oh, and in Gilmore Girls, Rory tries to hang out with Logan at his apartment for a date, but it's a poker party. Not, yeah, not really a date, or is it? Who knows? Changing the ending of a story. That's right. Suki tried to change it, the ending of something she saw on TV to make Lorelai happy. And Spike censored the ending of a story for Dawn's benefit. This is the one with the pink and blue ribbons, and also Willow's just randomly wearing a blue ribbon on her shirt. Yeah. Crazy connections. And Lorelai and Luke break up and Harmony and Spike break up. A lot of breakups. And then, of course, in the body slash the one where Luke is mad and isn't cooking things very well. 
we had the black and Cajun connection, which was had to be intentional. Yeah, Kirk is eating some food that Luke burnt because he's upset, and he's like, oh, I love this like black and Cajun toast. There's also a flashback in Buffy where Buffy or Joyce burns a pie, and she's like, oh, we'll just say it's black and Cajun. Again, neither show has said the phrase black and Cajun until this episode. And the last one I have written down was the episode after that. Willow pulls the book off the shelf for Dawn to read about how to bring her mom back to life. Mm-hmm. And Lorelai and Sugi also comment that their big leather-bound books have gone missing. Yeah, and Tara comes back to the apartment. She's like, where's that book? Yeah. That just, it was so slight, but that almost felt like too big of a coincidence. Yeah. Maybe there were more after that, but I hadn't written them down. And then the season finale, Buffy jumps to her death to save everybody, and so does Lorelai. Yeah. <laughs> that had to be intentional. This is wild. I'm excited to keep a lookout for those going forward. Even though I've heard Amy doesn't like the end of Buffy, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't like season four or five either, and those were showing up. It seems to be clear that she was putting these Easter eggs in. I don't know. It, it, it seems insane that this would just be coincidence. I would have to say that at minimum, she like unintentionally put some stuff in there that was like in her subconscious. But the fact that they match up so frequently is like, it's almost like that can't be subconscious. That has to be intentional. Yeah. Someday we'll find out. If you guys notice more, please let us know. We're so interested in this. If you guys know Amy, have her email us. So, Stacy, you kept track of the ratings. Which season was better? Well, maybe I'll reveal the ratings first because my okay. answer is complicated. Okay. So, you voted for Buffy 12 times and Gilmore Girls 10 times. Mm -hmm. I voted for Buffy 11 times and Gilmore Girls 11 times. Oh, wow. There was just that one week we split. This brings the overall totals, by the way, to you saying Buffy 55, Gilmore 46, and me saying Buffy 48, Gilmore 53. So I think our gap has continued to narrow a little bit, but we still both have favored our own shows. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I would have to say that I, uh, I was being fair this whole season. Like, there was a string early on where I was like, yeah, it's Gilmore. It was really unbalanced. There was, like, chunks of time where one was obviously winning. Yeah, I feel like this Buffy, the season just, while it did have some good episodes early on, like it just kind of ramped up eventually. Mm -hmm. And Gilmore almost did the opposite, almost like ramped yeah. down. The season finale obviously ramped up, but like Buffy's was so epic, you can't beat that <laughs> with just some family drama. So you're saying Buffy had the better season I think for your Buffy, rankings? I think Buffy had the better season. I agree with my rankings. It told like a really good story, like an arc of a story. And while it had some troughs, it had some flaws, so did Gilmore. Is trods a word? I don't know. Isn't that for like voting? Tranche? <laughs> tranche. I didn't tranches. know if you were correcting yourself or if you were saying it had draws and flaws. Tranches and flaws. Keep it in. <laughs> what are you? Gonna... What do you? How do you feel? Which one? Which season do you think was better? Yeah, I mean, I need to break my tie. Yeah. I, I think probably Buffy was a better season five, just because I, ramping up is better than ramping down for sure. Yeah. Gilmore started strong. There is no doubt that it started strong. And there's some great episodes in the middle, like the yeah. wedding episode. Yes. So good. Mm -hmm. But then we kind of forgot that she was mad at Emily briefly. I mean, she's mad at her again, but there was a brief forgiveness part. But also she, like, Rory forgave her mother so quickly, too. It was like, I'm mad at mom. And then, like, an episode later, she's like, okay, mom, I'm sorry I'm mad. I was like, yeah, time passed, like, off screen. But, like, I didn't feel like this fight really lasted very long. It was supposed to be a big sure. deal. But I guess my main reason is, like, even though I would have liked to know a bit more about some of the stuff in Buffy, and, like, a lot of it got explained in the last, like, two episodes, mm -hmm. 
I just think like the pieces of it were all there and were woven together pretty well. Yeah. So like maybe if some of that information had been sprinkled throughout, it would have strengthened the weaker episodes. Yeah. I don't know. That's not how storytelling works, really. But yeah. there were definitely some... I mean, Riley was just kind of hanging on to the episodes, dragging them down in the middle for a while. Yeah, honestly, it's like if Riley was not in the show, I feel like this season would have been so much better. But Gloria was cool. The Dawn story was very interesting. Yeah. As much as you people don't like her or whatever, like it was very jarring to be like, what's this new character that just showed up? Dealing with Joyce's illness. It was just like thematically kind of a cool season. And they tried a lot of really cool, interesting things. I feel like the way the body was filmed and stuff was like, this is different. You're trying some big stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think Gilmore Girls had a bit of a story, too. Like, Rory becoming a whole different person. Yeah. I would say is sort of the theme of season five. And Lorelai also kind of dealing with who she wants to be. Like, now she's with Luke, but she's sort of got this, like, enticing offer to travel. Right. That's kind of not that big of a story until the end, but... Well, it seems to me that Gilmore Girls, while I am in love with the show now, I do feel like it's a little soap opery and sometimes in the writing. And Buffy can be dramatic, but I feel like it's a little less soapy, although we'll see going forward. But I feel like Buffy really, and I mentioned this already, like just tries to do different interesting things with its episodes. And Gilmore is sort of like, you know what you're getting. Like they do try a couple of different episodes, but I don't know that they did this season. It was just like, yeah, this is how Gilmore Girl episodes are written, whereas Buffy's like, we're going to do something without a musical score. Yeah. We're going to do, like, an emotional episode. You know what I mean? Like, And I feel like Buffy excelled this season doing stuff like that. But if we're talking about, like, the season as a piece, like, Buffy was just, like, more of a story in yes. itself. So I'll probably give it to Buffy for that reason. But really, it was pretty tight as far as, like, episode-to-episode quality. Totally agree. Okay. Well, that's it. Well, we have some other announcements. Yeah. Don't get mad. I know a lot of you are going to get pissed. Yeah, we, um, we're actually going to be taking a little break. A very, very little. Very little break. We're not dropping out of podcast. Don't worry. Calm down, guys. Seriously. <laughs> you're going to break the dishes you're doing. Just chill out. This Friday, it will be two years since we released our first episode, and we've never taken a break. Yeah, and uh, I have a new job, and it's... A lot, and we have a wedding we're going to. We're going to so. spend some time with our families. Your job's been a big schedule adjustment. and With my show that I did, it was a bit of a struggle to keep up with podcast stuff. I've been kind of playing catch up. So we, we just we just need a little time, guys. So there won't be a new episode next week, August 30th. We might re-release one of our favorites. I think that's a thing people do. But the week after that, we are going to do a very special bonus Q&A episode. Yep. That will come out September 6th. So please send us your questions on social media. We'll make a post about it, or you can DM us. You can send us an email, Reviews at gmail.com. We're accepting questions until noon Eastern time on Saturday, August 27th. And these can be questions about whatever. What were your thoughts on these episodes? Why didn't you like this episode? Why did you feel like this? Why are you guys still together? Any of these questions. Yeah, you can ask us about the show, about us, about our cat. We'll spend an episode answering your questions. Speaking of email, I am so sorry. I know some of you have emailed us with kind words and thoughts about specific episodes. We read them. We respond to some of them. We're going to respond to all of them. That's just one of those things that's like a little difficult to keep up with. And I want to make sure we get to that during this break. Thank you for sending us emails. We love yeah. each and every one of them. Yeah, thank you. It means a lot to us to hear you guys uh, reach out to us. Yeah, never hesitate to reach out. I love when you guys message us on Instagram or send us emails. 
I also want to take some time to expand our Patreon content a bit to make it more of an interactive community thing where it's easier for you guys to all talk with each other. And we'll be posting on social media still during the break. So make sure you're following us on social media at Gilmore Slayer on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We've got some fun ideas for some videos we can shoot while we're back in Wisconsin. Stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, don't worry. We just need a little time to rest and catch up so we can give you guys the best product possible. You guys have helped us grow this podcast so much, but it is still just the two of us making this happen. And we're tired. We're tired. Anyway, two weeks. Sorry about that, but we will be back. Yes. We want to watch these shows, so. There will be the Q&A episode. Yes. And the week after that, September 13th, will be our first episode of season six, for which we will be watching Gilmore Girls season six, episode one, new and improved Lorelai. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer season six, episode one, bargaining part one. In the meantime, please send us those questions for our Q&A episode, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on season five of both shows. Were these good seasons? What were your favorite episodes and moments? Do you agree with our ratings? Did you notice any other connections? What happened to Tom this season? Yeah, I don't remember if we saw him. Let us know. You can reach out by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. Brian with a Y, Stacy with an E-Y. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Stacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show Angel, host monthly live streams, watch parties at Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers, Alicia Jackson, Claire Coner, Jordan Chochette, Nicole Brown, Barbara Lamute, Danny Osmania, Coco Bro, Christina C., and Tessa Rask. Thank you guys so much for joining our Patreon. It helps us so incredibly much. Yeah, thank you so much. For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If you want to support our podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode descriptions or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Well, Stacy, are you ready to just, like, take a nap for two weeks? Yeah, I'm not going to do shit. <laughs> take a nap, wake up, and be like, uh-oh. We just woke up, but yes. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to sleep. Thank you guys so much for tuning Good in. Night. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>